Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Major agreement on a PLA in Maryland, and Biden is there to celebrate. AFGE looking to raise wages almost 9%. And then there's North Dakota. Still stuck. Minimum wage, $7.25 an hour. Today on the show, we check in with the operating engineers in Maryland and IBEW Local 725 in Terre Haute, Indiana. Welcome to the Thursday, February 2nd edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Frank Barilli will be our first guest on the show today. He is president and assistant business manager for the operating engineers. Website, iuoelocal99.org. Frank is a Navy vet, joined the Union back in 2001, right after serving. Worked for the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center in Greenbelt, Maryland for a time. Then was elected to be a shop steward six months later. After 14 years of serving as a steward, he joined the business office as a business agent. That was in 2015, and he became president and assistant business manager last year. Quite a storied history of that local. It goes back to uh, 1902 when six engineers applied to the International Union of Steam Engineers for the Steam Engineers Charter of Local 99. Now, that organization forged to unify the stationary engineers of the day to achieve better working conditions, better wages and benefits for the good of all engineers, evolved into the International Union of Operating Engineers. And uh, if you go back to 1922, this is all posted on their website, the wages, 65 cents an hour. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? The uh, local today, the members there operate and maintain boilers, chillers, generators, automated or computerized building systems. The uh, job responsibilities include monitoring, repairing, maintaining, and inspecting plant equipment, alarms, meters, other instruments to ensure maximum efficiency. We're going to talk about uh, the shortage of personnel in the workforce today. A lot of the trades complaining about that. We'll get into their apprenticeship program, educating the next generation, and teaming up with companies who want to develop the next generation of stationary engineers. Yeah, operating engineers, very diverse. I mean, you you think of uh, heavy equipment and, you know, the bulldozers and all that, but it's a whole lot more than that. And Frank will uh, will spell all of that out on the show today. Jim Fellows will be joining us later in the show from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, where he serves as business manager of uh, IBEW Local 725. Website real simple, IBEW725.org. And we'll talk about uh, renewable energy jobs due to the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. There's going to be a whole lot more good-paying union jobs available. And 
725 is going to try to scoop up as many as they can, especially solar. Solar's popping up everywhere in the country. And uh, we're going to talk about the benefits of being a union electrician. Um, Jim points out that, yeah, you know, there's some contractors saying, well, we have to pay more for union electricians. But they often leave out the productivity, the better productivity that you get out of a union electrician. He writes that productivity comes about as a result of management expertise and workers who are trained to work safely, which enables them to work quickly. Whether it's a large diversified contractor with divisions that are devoted to specific niches or smaller companies that specialize in anything from datacom to systems integration, building automation, solar, photovoltaics, wind, well, you know what? You learn all of that in an IBW apprenticeship program. And there's still this perception, oh, you're just wiring. You're wiring a home or wiring a office building. It goes way beyond that. We're talking power plant construction. As I mentioned, data. And there's a lot of, I mean, all the new buildings today, they've got to be wired specifically for high-speed Internet. Well, that's where you bring in the IBW. So uh, Jim Fellows will be uh, our second guest right here on America's Workforce. Unions in the news, making news, lots of news today. This uh, labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at boydwatterson.com. Let's start off with uh, some strike action. This week, members of the Temple University Graduate Students Association went on strike after bargaining for more than a year. The university has refused to meet the demands of the graduate workers, which include a living wage, dependent health care, more leave, and improved working conditions. They are affiliated with the American Federation of Teachers, the Temple University Graduate Students Association, or TUGSA. It would be a local 6290. Members and their supporters have been picketing all week from 9 in the morning to 4 p.m. Also, UAW, this would be local 974 members who work at Caterpillar in Illinois and Pennsylvania, have overwhelmingly voted to authorize a strike. While contract talks continue, the authorization gives the union the ability to call a strike if the negotiations falter. They uh, they have a six-year contract, which comes to an end in March. And the UAW members are hoping to address wages, benefits, and 401k retirement funds. Now, if that authorization vote, uh, in the authorization vote, I should say, 98% of the members voted to authorize a strike, if necessary, if necessary. So that's pretty overwhelming. AFGE, one of our proud sponsors, the American Federation of Government Employees, is seeking an 8.7% pay increase for federal workers next year, 2024. Now, the raise is part of the Federal Adjustment of Income Rates, or better known as the FAIR Act, recently reintroduced by Representative Jerry Connolly out of Virginia and Senator Brian Schatz out of Hawaii. The union applauded the legislation, 
which National President Everett Kelly said was needed to close the double-digit pay gap between federal employees and their counterparts in the private sector. Here's what Kelly said. The latest report from the Federal Salary Council shows that federal worker pay lags behind the private sector by over 23%. That's a chunk. And it makes it difficult for agencies to recruit, hire, and retain top talent. And it hurts the quality of services that Americans receive. Kelly goes on to say the 8.7 pay increase, 8.7%, included in the FAIR Act will not only reward federal employees' hard work and help them keep pace with inflation, but it will also help government agencies remain competitive and deliver high-quality services to the American public. And we wholeheartedly endorse this bill. I'm sure we'll be uh, checking in with the AFGE on more later this month. And then there's North Dakota. This is amazing. You know, a lot of states have raised their minimum wage. And you have to keep in mind that the federal minimum wage is still stuck at seven twenty-five an hour. It's been stuck there since 2009. It's ridiculous. I mean, how do you survive on that? And they're saying, well, it's just a bunch of kids working at McDonald's or Wendy's. No, 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 no. That's not the case. So there's a representative out of Fargo, North Dakota. Her name is Lori Beth Hager. She said she didn't think she would need to refile a bill that would raise North Dakota's minimum wage. And not very much. Seven twenty-five an hour to $9 an hour. I mean, $9 an hour is still a joke. But anyway... She said, I had not anticipated returning to this committee again, as I had hoped and believed that the Biden administration would have addressed and increased the federal minimum wage prior to all this. And she spoke to the House Business and Industry Labor Committee during a hearing on the bill this week. So there's there's a piece of legislation. It's House Bill 1507, which would also raise the state's minimum wage by 25 cents each year after after the initial raise to $9 an hour. So it's indexed more or less. Hager said North Dakota has a lower minimum wage than its surrounding states. If you go to Minnesota, it's a 10.59 an hour. And obviously the North Dakota AFL-CIO supports the bill. The current minimum wage at 7.25 was set at 2008, not indexed to inflation, said Landis Larton, who is president of the North Dakota AFL-CIO, Landis said it's far too low for any job that's worth doing. Wages will not be going back down to these levels, and we should raise the minimum wage and index it to inflation to keep up with our neighboring states and a large majority of the rest of the country. Well, guess what? Business groups, (laughs) they testified against the bill. Eric Spencer is with the Greater North Dakota Chamber. Eric said it's not acceptable to think that a business can raise its consumer prices just to offset this new increase in expenses. North Dakota. Wow. Pretty amazing. And uh, some really good news out of uh, Maryland this week. And I'm sure our first guest from the operating engineers is going to talk more about this. President Biden joined officials from the Department of Transportation, Amtrak, state of maryland and the baltimore dc building trades council for the launch 
of the first phase of the B&P Tunnel Replacement Program in Baltimore. The project will operate under a project labor agreement between the state and the Baltimore D.C. Building Trades, which is affiliated with NAMTU, National North America's Building Trades Unions. It's the first such agreement under the 2021 Memorandum of Understanding between Amtrak and NABTU. The agreement covers Amtrak's major civil engineering projects, and get this, it's only the first PLA agreed to under the details of that memo. Sean McGarvey, a happy camper on all of this, he said, NABTU is proud to partner with Amtrak to ensure that the major civil engineering projects under its control are performed under a collective bargaining agreement with NAMTU's councils and affiliates to ensure that the highly skilled men and women of North America's building trades construct the critical infrastructure necessary for our rail system. There's no better place to start our partnership than with the much-needed B&P Tunnel Replacement Program. The uh, project labor agreement means that Amtrak and NAMTU will not face labor-related delays in planning and contracting of the project, and contractors and subcontractors will share Amtrak's commitment to fair wages and benefits. By the way, get this. That tunnel is almost 150 years old. That's right. It's also Amtrak's oldest tunnel in the Northeast Corridor. Obviously, there's some problems there. They call it age-related issues, causing delays in service. And certainly, the upgrade is long overdue. 150 years. Jeez. All right. We have to take a quick break when we come back. The operating engineers in Maryland. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrens. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. 
With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll free at 1-800-443-3752. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency. You can find more at ULAgency.org. Before we get to our first guest, too, I just want to do a shout-out here. For the uh, Cleveland Building and Construction Trades Council, yesterday they announced uh, another apprenticeship career fair. And if you are listening on this podcast in your community, feel free to uh, contact BMA Media and let us know if there's an apprenticeship fair going on in your community. I mean, we podcast coast to coast around the world, as a matter of fact. We're on six different platforms, so we'll be happy to uh, announce that because we need a lot of people in the trades this one in Cleveland, Ohio, is going to be at Pipefitters Local 120's Union Hall. And uh, it's going to happen on March 23rd. So plenty of time to prepare here from 6 to 7.30 p.m. And they're looking for <laughs> just everybody. Bricklayers, carpenters, cement masons. If you're interested in any of those professions, painters, pipefitters, plumbers, roofers, sheet metal workers, you got to show up there. And uh, they're really reaching out to women, Cleveland residents, people of color. They're encouraged to attend because we often say on the show, this is the pathway to the middle class. Learn about a career and no student debt. They've done some calculations on apprenticeship programs, and they're pretty much valued at maybe forty five, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year that you do not pay for. So keep that in mind. You want to get some information on this, contact Doreen Cannon, 216 216- Four five nine zero zero nine nine extension one four three two one six four five nine zero zero nine nine extension one four three. Let's uh, join our first guest right now on the show, and that would be Frank Barilli. Frank is president and assistant business manager of the operating engineers. That would be uh, I U O E local ninety nine dot o r g. And uh, Frank served in our uh, military, served in the Navy, and decided to go into the construction arena. Frank Barilli, how are we doing today, my brother? We're good, Ed. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks for joining us. Hey, talk to me about that transition. We do a lot with programs like Helmets to Hard Hats, and I know they're encouraging a lot of military vets because of the discipline that they receive, especially in the military, to... uh, get into the trades, and make a decent living, make a career out of it. Now, you didn't go through that program, but uh, tell me about your path to uh, to the operating engineers. I always like to ask my guests about that because, you know, we want to we hear those stories. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, it's a little bit interesting story for myself. I actually uh, got out of the Navy. My mother actually was currently working at NASA Goddard Space Flight Center, and she was able to get my resume over there. Really wasn't familiar with the unions at the time, to be honest with you. And uh, came in about 20 days after being on the job. The assistant business manager at the time, uh, Harry Geedy, came in, introduced himself. And I actually went to school with uh, two of his kids. So it was interesting. I sat down and listened. And six months later, I became a shop steward. And since then, I have uh, forged forward with the uh, you know the career path and 
the value of what it means to be union and and the fact that it's given me a lifestyle so I can actually live a you know a, a modest but good lifestyle you know um and 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 be able to enjoy the fruits of my labor. I see you became uh, president and assistant business manager last year. How has that transition been for for you at Local Ninety Nine? It's been good. You know the, um, the 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 folks that that were ahead of us. You know that carried the torch. They yeah. did an awesome job. They, you know we wouldn't be where we're at today if it wasn't for the you know the the men and women that actually helped forge forward for us. And uh, they left me in a good position. I mean it's challenging. It's it's exciting work. Um, meeting our members and you know getting out new organize, organizing of sites we've just uh, actually got a new contract or, or not a contract but excuse me we got a new award for recognition at the George Washington University um, uh, downtown DC so it's good we're 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 we're, we're gaining traction in the organizing department and I'm helping out with that and you know, it's it's been a little. You know, there's always challenges with everything, but it's exciting and it's new, so it's it's look good. Look forward. So, how many members in local 99? And if you could explain your your territory. So we have a roughly 3,200 members, and we are roughly we split our jurisdiction with local 37 out of Baltimore, um, but we split half the state. So basically, south of the. Um, Fort Meade facility, um, going down and over into Montgomery County. We, we handle south and west, and uh, Local 37 handles north and east of Maryland. And we get into we have all of the district of uh, Washington D.C., and then we get into Northern Virginia area that we represent members at. And why don't you explain? I talked about this briefly at the beginning of this. Uh, operating engineers very very diverse in the work that you guys perform. And you think of heavy equipment, and then there's like the the stationary engineers. Now, aren't aren't you primarily stationary engineers at uh, at ninety nine? That is correct, Ed. We are completely stationary. So we focus mainly on our engineers that would do you know electricity, plumbing, carpentry. We do a little bit of that, not a whole lot, but we have the members that do that. We um, HVAC work. So we, we handle all of that um, trades encompassing in one. Uh, a lot of our engineers run, there are, you know, four or five people in a building, and they have to handle all of the work that comes through from operating the boiler or chiller to actually repairing, rekeying locks to, uh, you know, just fixing normal everyday wear and tear that the building might, uh, might uh, adore during the time that tenants are in it. Yeah. So uh, when you go through the apprenticeship program, I can only assume that you cover all the aspects. They cover the heavy equipment. And, and I bring this up, too, because it, Local 37, you mentioned 37. Is that the local that's handling that tunnel over in Baltimore, the, the reconstruction that is, of that? Yes, that is correct. Local 37, that would be them that would get the PLA, hopefully, for that to help yeah. rebuild that. We don't deal with the heavy equipment. That would be a mixed local. We're strictly stationary. So yeah. we only handle the guys and gals that would work inside of buildings. Or um, we have a lot of, um, uh, you know, comp- uh, campus-style uh, facilities, like NASA Goddard is a multi-building complex. Um, so our members would handle a lot of the repairs in those and maintenance and preventive maintenance in those buildings. 
But when you go through the apprenticeship program for the operating engineers, do they cover all those aspects or are they very specific? Okay, say, okay, I want to be a stationary engineer. Am I just going to learn that part then? Yes, because you'd you'd go to a, a HMP local to learn either crane or earth moving, whereas we would teach you HVAC, we teach you basic electricity, we teach you um, how to um, to basically take your test for your license for to be a steam operator in the city of D.C. or Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, our apprenticeship program walks you through that. It's a four-year program. We have <clears throat> roughly about 150 current students in at this time. Uh, and we, when, when they get out after four years of apprenticeship program, they end up having the ability to sit for their D.C. and Maryland license. And they can go out in the field, and they're they're ready to actually become an engineer to operate the boilers. We teach them how to um, troubleshoot for basic electricity, you know, in case they have, um, you know, even relamping in the building or just some controls work that needs to be done. We teach them that that aspect of it. Um, but most of the time, where our, our members are operating the uh, boiler and chiller in the building, and you know, they they're making sure that the the room temperatures are comfortable, and we have some data centers where they're making sure that the the facility is cold, so the data center is not actually, um, you know, overheating itself. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't want electronics to get really, really hot because all kind of bad things happen after that. <laughs> that is you, correct. Uh, they're they're not very happy after that happens. That's for sure. No, 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 no. You mentioned the uh, the 150 students that you have. Is that normal, kind of low, or you're trying to recruit more? I, I know there's a worker shortage around the country. Let, let's just cut to the chase here. But how are we faring? Are we preparing enough, uh, enough uh, young people for the uh, operating engineers right now? We are. We're definitely trying. A lot of that has to do with buy-in from companies. I keep um, when I go out and meet with some of the companies there. I have to convince them that you know you're you're really building a farm team. You know, if if you like baseball, you always have your farm team or your backup team, and you need to bring them along and nurture them and, and educate them. Um, we're seeing a lot of the companies are are changing paths now. They're they're realizing the workforce is getting thinner and thinner, and they they're buying into the fact that they need to place these people in jobs. Part of an apprenticeship program is not just going to school; it's actually on hands, on site, learning and putting your hands on what you're learning during school so it, it's a two-part for us where we teach you know in the, the 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 classroom we give you the theory but then the practical comes actually on site and our members will teach our, our apprentices you know this is how the, this is this part on the boiler this is this part on the chiller this is how this actually operates so you not only get to you know learn in the book but you actually get to see it the hardest problem we've had is, and we have a lot of government sites in our portfolio, that you know the government doesn't have a whole lot of room for apprentices. So we've been pushing very hard for them to let the companies pick up apprentices and bring them in. And that has started to get a little bit of traction. We're starting to see more of that. We have some major players we deal with. Um, we deal with Kaiser Permanente. We deal with uh, MCOR Government Services. And we deal with another company called Amentum. Um, they're starting to realize the value of making sure that they have those bodies that have been educated and that they can make a good living out of it. I mean, as you stated earlier, you know, four years of school that costs them absolutely zero. 
They're getting paid while they're on the job. They're getting health care. They're getting retirement money paid to them. And they're getting the knowledge so that when they get out of our program after four years, they can continue on into a career path that will keep them strong in the middle class and, and be able to sustain making a living to be able to afford a house, car, family, and so forth during those times as they progress through their life. That's what we want. Frank Barilli, joining us in our live line today, is president and assistant business manager for the Operating Engineers. Website is iuoelocal99.org. And Frank is uh, talking to us just outside Baltimore today. We'll continue the conversation. We'll get into diversity in the trades coming up next. Later in the show, we're going to check in with Jim Fellows. Jim is the business manager at IBW Local 725 out of Terre Haute, Indiana. Back in a few minutes. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, and, and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The heat and frost insulators and allied workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. This segment of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com to learn more. Now... Back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. When you get an opportunity, just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go uh, back to just outside Baltimore. He is uh, in between Baltimore and D.C. Frank Barilli is his name. He's the president and assistant business manager of the Operating Engineers Local 99, union that started back in 1902. You know, I was on your website last night, and I was reading the wages 
1922. Now, this was uh, 20 years after your local started. The wages were 65 cents an hour. (laughs) Yeah, that's incredible. (laughs) You've come a long way, Frank. (laughs) You really have. We have. We have. We actually had almost a strike over a nickel one time back in the day, they told me about there you go. There you, now, now, what are the typical wages today? Let, let's let's cut to the chase on that. So the, the typical wages for an engineer they're they're in the uh, mid to high forty dollars an hour range. We're seeing uh, the average somewhere around seven dollars an hour in retirement. Um, you know, capped at twenty eighty. So for for the year, um, we're seeing a lot of our contracts are covering full H and W. So they're. They're getting full health and welfare while they're doing that, which covers, you know, medical, dental, vision, short-term, long-term disability, and death benefits. So, um, you know, the members are seeing a, a robust package, which is great, um, you know, because we're the goal is to take care of them. You know, the, if they're at, you have a healthy employee, they're, they're at work instead of being at home. So it's, it's good things. That's definitely good for the membership. We're talking 3,200 members, by the way, in uh, Local 99. Frank, we were talking in the first segment about your apprenticeship program, reaching out to the communities, and I know you're really big on education. Um, I'm just wondering, how how do we look at 99, Local 99 over there, when it comes to diversity? And I bring this up because I know NAB2, North America's Building Trades, nationally they are making a huge push going into underserved communities and making sure that they're targeting people so they can find that pathway to the middle class. It's so important that we uh, we lift those boats up and and give them a career where, as you pointed out, they can raise a family, support the family, send their kids to college, do all the right things, live in a good community. That, that's what the American dream is all about. And I, I noticed this in the last survey. That, you know, when it comes to union versus non-union, my gosh, you see twice as many women and I think four or five times as many African-Americans that are in union programs versus non-union. So with that being said, how are we doing in your local right now? Are you are you kind of following that that same trend, Frank? Yes, we're seeing we're seeing an uptick in in African-American and Latino uh, women um, coming in and and definitely applying. Um, we're also seeing an uptick of them taking classes. Uh, we you know we definitely push for that. We we want to you know the idea of of union is is to bring it's you and I and we want to bring them along. We want to give them the ability as as you stated before the chance at a, at a, at a good lifestyle and. Um, you know, it's kind of funny you did say so that they can, you know, raise their family and go to college. I say for them to raise their, their family and their, their their children to go through an apprenticeship program and, and become just like their parents. Um, you know, we, we try to make sure that they have that same opportunity, though, um, and, and it's good. We've, we've definitely seen more women coming into the trade. Um, and actually, there they're, they're some rock stars out there. They really are. They Their grades are Right up, you know, almost at 100%. We have some of the students that are currently going through now that are, you know, they're help mentoring some of the other students that, you know, might not be strong in math and, um, but really forging forward. And we, we, we nurture that as much as we can. We definitely reach out to areas, you know, we run ads in the Washington Post for our apprenticeship program, which runs the first week of May. We take applications. The first full week of May, we take applications for our program and then, 
you know, there's a, there's a process to it, but once they get through the application process, but there's an interview process, and then we do our best to place them in jobs. And it's um, it's important for them to come out and realize that, you know, this is not just a male-dominated field anymore. There are avenues for them and um, opportunities for them, and they can make a good living doing this and support their families. So we see a lot more of it as we're going through, and, and we definitely pushed for that. We've... Um, advertised in you know several um newspaper ads and online services when our, our apprenticeship program starts to run so frank if you don't mind let me pick up on what you what you said about going to college and uh, the reason i said that i come from a steelworker family my dad worked at uh, u.s steel in uh, northeastern ohio for well over 40 years, and he worked hard. In fact, I worked two summers with him, and I said, boy, I don't know how you've done this for so long. And I told him I was going to go into radio, and a lot of people laughed at me, and here we are 50 years later still doing radio. But bottom line is he said, hey, you know what? I worked hard. I don't want you to work as hard as I did. I want you to go to college and become a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. Well, obviously that didn't happen, but, uh, you know, it's important that, you know, you, you uh, I guess, teach your kids to do whatever they want to do. That being said, I'm just wondering, uh, in your local, is there kind of a push to uh, to get into the trades now because of the work, because of the money? And you mentioned, you know, the $45,000 education that you're getting for nothing. And now you've got all this, you know, ridiculous student debt that people are trying to dig out from. But I'm just wondering, is is that shift happening? Because, you know, I come from that time where you got to go to college, got to go to college. Um, is that dynamic changing, in your opinion? It definitely from my perspective, it is. I know that, you know, we have multi-generations of members that are, um, you know, from their grandfather to their father to their son or daughter that are now in our, you know, our program are working in, in the field. So I would definitely say yes. I mean, um you know, we always want better for our kids, uh, so I would never say that anybody wouldn't. But, you know, college is not for everybody. You know, I, I, I got out of, you know, school and I went to school for a little bit and realized that wasn't the path for me. I went into the service. I learned the trade in the service and got out and forged forward from that point forward. And it's been, you know, uh, really good to me. And my, my wife is a school teacher, and she's got a master's degree. And unfortunately, you know, teachers don't make a whole lot. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help that, you know, you can go through all these years of school, collect all this debt and get out. And it takes you, you know, 10 years to dig out. Mm -hmm. uh, we were at actually a, um, a job fair one time with our training coordinator, Mark Brandt. And one of the ladies asked who we were. And we said we we're a union. And she kind of just shrugged her head and walked away. And the lady behind said, what's a union? And Mark explained, you know. We teach your kids how to make a living, and there's it's free education, and they get free health care, and they get, you know, they're going to get uh, retirement. They're going to make a living. And sure enough, that mother brought that son down to apply for our program, and he signed up, and he made it into our program. So there is definitely, in my opinion, a little bit of a change because the trades are short. You know, not yep. everybody can be an attorney. We, we have way too many of them as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto on that one, buddy. It's, you know, I know doctors. Doctors make a pretty good buck. 20 years sometimes yeah. paying off those uh, those loans because, you know, medical school ain't cheap. And uh, that's no. that's a minimum, 20 years. It's amazing. 
what uh, what goes on out there right now. But I, I'm glad we had this conversation because it's important that people understand. Uh, you you got to be happy with what you're doing in your career. I get that whole part. But right now, there's some great opportunities in the trades, and that includes uh, Local 99. Uh, one more question here before we go here. How are we doing with uh, organizing, especially, you know, trying to get some of the non-union workers over to uh, Local 99? How are we faring in that regard, Frank? We're doing pretty good. We we like I stated earlier, we we had an election. We won for George Washington University. We've got a couple other um, sites. We're seeing a lot more uptick in um, phone calls that are just coming in. People that are you know realizing that they have not been treated fairly by their employer and they're not paid. You know, we have some sites where we've talked to people and they haven't had a pay raise in three or four years. And it's it's unreal. Currently, Local 99 is in a um, negotiations with the MGM at the National Harbor. Um, you know, we're we're looking to do a five year deal there, but we are definitely seeing where not only are our organizers being able to um, get more leads on members that want to organize, but we're also getting more and more people that are you know calling up and saying, hey. You know what does it mean to be union, and you know I want I want to join, and and they they're not even organized yet, but they want to join, so it, it's good. You know that means that the I think the labor movement is 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 starting to really come alive again. I know for years they talked about how you know labor was dying out, and I never believed that, but right now it is definitely on fire, and and we're showing people that hey you know unions are here, they're they're you and I. It's about making a good living and a fair treatment. And, you know, we're, we're definitely seeing a uh, major, major swing right now. And it's good. It's good. And especially with this administration that's in place there. Yeah. They're definitely helping with all the, uh, the unions. You bet they are. All right, Frank, we're going to leave it on that note. Frank Barilli, who is president and assistant business manager of Local 99 of the International Union of Operating Engineers. Check out their website, IUOE local99.org great conversation you uh you stay safe and stay in touch with us okay brother i uh, will thanks that i appreciate you having me on you got it all right quick break here jim fellows is with ibew local 725 out of indiana he's coming up next this is america's workforce more shows available at awfradio.com it takes layuna to keep america running Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. 
Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union there. And if you like a show, please share that show. We count all the downloads. Our sponsors like to know how many people are listening to America's Workforce. And we are growing. And we want to grow the show in 2023. Check out the website, awfpodcast.com. Everything is archived there. Let's go to Terre Haute, Indiana right now. And joining us on line number two is Jim Fellows. Jim is the business manager of IBEW Local 725. Website is ibew725.org. We're talking 717 members in the local, which covers, how about this, nine counties in Indiana and six counties in Illinois. Jim Fellows, welcome to America's Workforce. You got you got quite a territory to cover there, my brother. Absolutely. It can be and you know, we're always looking for members. We're always trying to organize shops. It, you know, it's extremely hard to kind of uh, convey our message. Uh, most of the time, uh, people look straight at what you make on the check and and they're, you know, they don't realize the benefits that come along with being a, a union member. Well, you know what? I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I want to get into that. And there's this perception out there with a whole lot of people that okay, you're you're an electrician, and I'll leave it at that. You're an electrician. That means you can either wire a home, uh, a electrical panel, work in an office building. But you know what? In today's world, with the technology the way it is, it's a whole lot more complicated than that. Uh, Jim, what I'd like you to do here is spell out your apprenticeship program because uh, it's important that when somebody hires someone, and we're going to say from 725, they're getting somebody that's top-notch, that knows exactly what they're doing, especially when it comes to the uh, intricate work that uh, elect- that that your local is is teaching. Can you explain that part for us? Go ahead. Sure. So, so our apprenticeship is a, a five-year program, and uh, through an accredited uh, accredited through the DOL, and and our our members, you know, through throughout the years, they learn. They start off with a basic theory on on DC and AC theory, and then they go into intricate circuitry. Uh, that you know, we work on conduit bending. Uh, I mean, from year to year, there's just so much that's added uh, onto the curriculum uh, in order to maintain status quo with the new technology. So. So all the, all the things that have changed over the years, they have to incorporate that into the apprenticeship, so that we have a diverse workforce once once our apprentices top out and become journeyman wiremen. And and you're absolutely correct on you know a lot of a lot of the uh, interpretation of what an electrician is 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 usually oh, this guy goes and puts receptacles and lights in houses, but we do work from houses, uh, 
to malls to refineries to powerhouses. Uh, I mean, it's a it's a pretty wide range of, of the type of work we do. And, and how is the workload over there in in Indiana and that part of Illinois as well? So so right now the the work outlook is extremely great. Uh, we we've started uh, uh, we started one solar farm with five or six more slated to go in the next couple of years. Uh, we've got a new, we've got a little 600 megawatt powerhouse coming up in our jurisdiction. Uh, we've got some work at a at a plant that uh, in Bloomington, Indiana, that they do the packaging for the COVID vaccine, and and you know we had done the initial work on that, and I believe we're going to be getting the the rest of the work as they start new lines. And then we have our continuation of work that you know we got a lot of guys at our refinery, we've got guys at powerhouses, uh, and then you know day to day service calls that, that a lot of our members do. That's good. Well, you see that membership growing, and, and maybe you could speak to your apprenticeship program right now. How many people you have in it, and are you prepared for those jobs down the road? So that's a that's a, that's a tough question, uh, but but it's a good question. So so that's been that's been a, a lot of uh, contention, and been a lot of what we've been doing as as labor leaders is is looking forward to this type of work and trying to find ways uh, to bolster our numbers in order to fill this, these jobs. So. So there is a lot of work coming up, and not just in 725 jurisdiction, but across the nation. And, and I know, I know, we've gotten support from our international and, and directives on how we need to be uh, bringing people in. So, so I do anticipate. I, I think we have around 170 apprentices right now. Uh, I believe that number is going to go up, and and then I think we're, uh, you know, as a as a union in general, we're looking at other classifications uh, for some of these renewable energy jobs uh, in in order to help fill the needs. How are we doing with uh, organizing? Because you know a lot of the solar jobs today they're they're non union. I know some of the panels. A lot of the panels come from China. They're trying to manufacture them here. Um, how are we looking with that? As far as uh, maybe even if they are non union, bringing them over to seven twenty five. Is any of that happening right now, Jim? So so uh, in, in our local right now, we, we've been pretty successful on on obtaining these these solar projects and uh i don't know of any at this point that's gone non-union in in our jurisdiction uh i'm sure there's a couple small ones that 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 have uh, but the larger uh, utility grade solar farms have been going have been going fair that's good to hear now it's interesting too that your uh, your local goes from indiana over to illinois uh, two very different states when it comes to their uh, – <laughs> I could hear you laughing in the background. You're a right-to-work state in Indiana, and uh, Illinois, just the opposite. In fact, they enshrine collective bargaining in their constitution. How how does that – how do you play in that as a result since you got nine counties in Indiana and six in Illinois? That, that's got to be a factor for you. Absolutely, it's a factor. Uh, and, and, you know, it is – it's uh, it's refreshing – uh, in a sense that you know when you have one state that you're working in uh, that might not be as labor friendly and then you got part of your jurisdiction in a state that's extremely labor friendly uh, and it, and it it's reflective on you know it's reflective on wages it's reflective on legislation uh, uh, so so it's tough to it is it is tough at times to be able to to, uh, to mesh the two together and, and try to come up with a plan that's best for for our local. Well, that's that's part of being a business manager, I guess. <laughs> it's, you have sure. you have some responsibilities, and a lot of that has to do with uh, educating people. And I know that's part of what you wanted to talk about on the show today about uh, union approval. It, it's like seventy percent 
in the country today. Organizing, as you know, is going crazy right now. We got the right people in place in Washington. Um, Maybe the House is a little skeptical right now, but at least (laughs) the first couple of years, I mean, we did pretty good. Um, How do you feel about that going forward? I mean, as a business manager of a of a major major union here how how do you feel about that so so i think it's a great uh uh on a on a couple on a couple levels so the 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 nlrb uh which is which is can be a big deal and 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 make monumental decisions uh that being in favor of labor right now due to due to uh president biden i mean that that does nothing but help uh, labor and the labor movement in general how do you feel about the new guy in charge, Kenny Cooper? No, he's an Ohio guy. I know he did uh, a lot of work in Mansfield and uh, and uh, just took over at the first of the year. Have you had any communication with uh, with him so far? Uh, personally, I have not, uh, other than he, he has sent off some emails once he once he kind of uh, <clears throat> took the lead. But he, he's been poised. He's been poised and capable of that position for a long time. So I think I think things are going to be going the right direction. Good, good, good. One more question here before before you go. How are we doing? And I asked this to most of our guests, including the first one that preceded you here, Frank Barilli. He comes from the operating engineers out of Maryland. How are we doing in your territory reaching out to those so-called underserved communities? And I know the national organization, North America's Building Trades, has been very, very vocal on this issue. In fact, they just came out with a study showing the importance of diversity, especially in the trades. I mean, there you go back, you know, 40 years ago, it was basically all guys. Now you're seeing more women, people of color. Um, how are we faring at uh, 725 right now, Jim? We've, we've also made, we've made strides. We've been reaching out to uh, anybody that we can, but but diversity is a uh, is an important factor, and and we've done our best to uh, have our workforce as diverse as possible. Uh, we've we've you know we've been uh, on par with what you're talking about uh, within the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, you know our, our apprenticeship classes don't look like they used to. Uh, you know traditionally traditionally you know in a in a rural areas that we have jurisdiction in, you would see nothing but white males in, in the classroom or white males on the job and. And uh, we we have done have we taken active steps in trying to fix that and try to try to make things more diverse. Very good. Okay, Jim Jim Fellows, business manager, IBW Local Seven Twenty Five, IBW Seven Two Five dot org is a website. Any parting words for our audience? Uh, yeah, uh, join a union, uh, make yourself a better life. There you go. <laughs> Short, sweet, to the point. All right, that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce coming up tomorrow. We're going to check in with the Columbus Central Ohio Building Trades. And it's our first Friday with Fred, Fred Redman, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce Radio Podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.